Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And we coming from our basement to your headphones, barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown. Thank you for downloading the Podcastianos. Now here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Podcastianos presented by Moots Pizzeria and Bar. The regular season is here and we have some real life actual baseball to talk about and it feels so good. My name is Jordan Hall. Eric has gone straight up Benedict Arnold on me and is on vacation with uh, the fam this week. So I'm happy to report that I have straight up upgraded him in the form of Keenan Carter, the man behind the world famous Detroit Tigers minor league tracker. Keenan, so great to talk to you tonight. Appreciate it. Thrilled to be here in Eric's absence. Yeah, uh, like I said, this this is a, a, a straight up upgrade. Um, I don't think anyone out there would disagree with that. So um, we're, we're blessed to have you. Uh, once again, if if somehow you found this show, I highly doubt that you are unaware of who Keenan is. Uh, but for those who are unaware, run us down the list of where all on the internet people can find you. Uh, mostly these days, I tweet wisecracks about the Tigers um, from my Twitter handle at Tiger underscore Lifer. I also run uh, Detroit Tigers minor league tracker on Facebook, um, which is where I do a lot of comprehensive coverage of the minor league system, which has pretty much rendered me irrelevant for the past year with no minor league baseball, <laughs> but we'll be back soon. And, um, and then on Instagram, Detroit Tigers, uh, M I L B tracker, uh, Terry number takes all of, she's our professional photographer runs Instagram she, for us over there. So by the way, let's shout out Terry. She does an excellent job that Twitter or excuse me, Instagram account is one of my favorites. There's always something new, always something fun. Honestly, as somebody who enjoys taking photographs, like I wish that I had what she has to, to photograph on a regular basis. That would be extremely fun. Um, so on last week's show, Eric and I talked a lot about the optimism that comes with a full season and kind of like uh, a full season, like all of the different pieces of it. Now we're five games into the regular season. Um, honestly, five kind of good, enjoyable games. Um, what ha- has your excitement level waxed or waned since opening day? Um, I would say waxed. I would say waxed, but the Tigers do this every April. Like we know they're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 to a hundred plus losses the last three, four seasons. Right. But they always seem to do have a little spark in April that gets us excited. 
um, heading into the warmer months and then the inevitable happens. So I, I, it, but it, to your point, like we got baseball back for a full season and to have them come out. And I know we'll talk about specifically some of the more exciting things we've seen the past five games. Um, it, it's just, it's just, it's fun to be a baseball fan again. I feel like the Andrew Romine just absolutely going nuts in April kind of personifies what you just said. Like that, that's kind of the archetype as far as, as that. Um, so w- we talked about, about all the little mini parts of the season. Do you have a specific part of, of the, of the season that you're more interested in than, than any of the others? Besides the start of the minor league season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I completely understand that as somebody who now lives in South Bend and has a single a team literally in, well, not literally, but fi- figuratively in his backyard. I, like you, am eagerly awaiting the first day of the minor league season. Yeah, that's cool. And, and, and they've leveled up to high A now, and you'll get the white caps yeah. coming to town. That's, that's exciting. Yeah, so for me, the, it's to have, my, to have my, my minor leaguers back, the guys nobody's ever heard of. That, who, who knows what half these guys have been doing for the last 18 months. Um, so it's, it's going to be really interesting. I think we might see some pretty ugly baseball because – who knows how they've been practicing? Like I'm sure they've all been participating in baseball activities, but only certain guys have been able to participate in like team sanctioned activities. A lot of these guys have just probably been trying to like get on the local high school diamond and <laughs> try and get some hacks in against whatever competition they can find wherever they live. And it, who knows what we're going to see when they actually take the field again, but it, it, it should be fun. Yeah. I feel like the, the ripple effect of this could, could last for quite a while. And it is it, like, it, it does bring kind of to, to the fore, like how important it was getting on the taxi squad last year versus not quite making that like that is, that's a huge difference between, like you say, trying to scrape together some opportunities to be a baseball player versus, you know, playing against Casey Mize every day. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're 19, 20 years old, a year of development is, is, is huge. And um, for some of those guys to have missed out some of the, for some of the older guys who were kind of like on their last chance to make a major league club too, you think like maybe like the Jacob Robson's and Danny Woodrow's of the world who are Cam Gibson's who are going on 20 late twenties, Danny Panero late twenties now, and they missed a whole year of baseball. It's kind of like, uh Oh, <laughs> maybe the opportunity has passed them by completely now. Yeah, hope, hopefully for that for their sake, that time just kind of stands still. Everyone is just restarting as they were. Unfortunately, I don't I don't think that tends to be how things work. But you know, we'll, we'll see. Well, I, I suppose. And, and Korea will always be there. <laughs> that is true. As my boy Drew Verhagen is showing the world. Uh, as he continues to rack up the K's on that big curveball over there. Uh, so the one thing I needed to get your take on before we get into the serious stuff, you posted a picture of. Reds infielder Jonathan India and his necklace. And you described it as not having seen a dumber necklace in all of professional (laughs) sports. Take us through the necklace with Mr. India and why to you it's so personally offensive. Uh, Well, you know, since posting that, I've become more observant about the necklaces that guys are wearing. And I'm (laughs) seeing quite a bit of players who are going with this black diamond look now. Oh, they're diamonds. I, gotcha. I, I, I'm that. So I'm told, I, okay. I don't know. It, it, it looked like a plastic, a black plastic necklace to me, but 
I don't think Jonathan India is rocking a black plastic necklace. It's probably a black diamond, some type of necklace. That's the new cool thing if you're under 30 and have I mean, a uh, multi-million dollar signing bonus. That's a pretty serious flex to be rocking that many diamonds out on the baseball field. I don't, I don't well, know that I'd feel comfortable with that on. That, that's my biggest beef, really. It's like, this is an elite athletic competition here. Like, you leave the jewelry in your locker, but... That's that's also like my get off get off my lawn statement. You know, uh, people are trying to make sports more fun, and here I'm I here I am like, don't accessorize too much. So don't swing three zero or with <laughs> with runners on scoring in scoring position when there's more than an eight run lead. Uh, were you ever a fighting guy? I was not. I was not physically equipped to be one. Oh really? Oh, you're talking about a fighting necklace. I thought yeah, you, was ne- I a fighting oh. guy? <laughs> I'm like, no, I was never Nick Cassiano standing over top of a pitcher at home plate. That was not me. Yes, I was a fighting guy. Uh, when I first started running circa 2009, uh, a friend of mine got me into the fighting and convinced me that I would have more energy throughout the day and on my runs. And I did rock a fighting for about a year or so. You? I mean, the obvious question is, is did you have more energy on your runs? <laughs> Uh, if, if I thought I did, then I did. Right. I mean, I, I, it's all, it's all mental. So I actually bought one of the, like, um, you know how they have like the, the blue and the orange ones that kind of like intertwine outside of Comerica park after a game, I'm sure it was a faux homeless person that probably sold it to me. Um, and I rocked that one for a while. And uh, when I, we you know, obviously whenever you play baseball, you got, you got to have it on to, uh, like you say, I mean, I, I probably threw three to four miles an hour harder when I had that on than when I didn't. <laughs> So, um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can on Twitter. Keenan is at tiger underscore lifer. I am at hosted by Jay Hall. Eric is at Eric Wayne's brain. And the show is at podcastianos, facebook.com backslash podcastianos. And we would love it if you take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're listening to the show on. And please leave us a review. That would be, that'd be great. And it's, it's interesting Eric's not here for this because we do have a bit of an announcement. Um, the show is now brought to you by Moots Pizzeria in downtown Detroit. Um, this is a place that we have been. Um, it is, I don't know if you, if you know me, but I'm, I take my pizza fairly seriously. Um, I have a bit of a child's palate. I like chicken tenders and pizza. So pizza is something that I am very excited uh, to have on as our sponsor. So if you're looking to grab a bite before or after the game, Moots Pizzeria and Bar located on (laughs) Library Street. See, I'm so opposed to the concept of reading that I struggle with the word library. Uh, In the heart of Detroit is one of the Motor City's hottest restaurants and the only authentic New York pizzeria in the city. I love the truffled bumblebee appetizer and Nana's meatballs because, you know, they're good meatballs and that's just straightforward. Or if you're feeling generous, try splitting one of their specialty pizza with friends or just order it all for yourself um, because, you know, it's pizza. No judgment here. Check out mootspizzeria.com to view the entire menu. And remember, they validate your parking for two hours when you park in the Z-Lot. Be sure to tell them Jordan, Eric, and Keenan tonight sent you. Yeah, you should have led with the parking validation. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that is definitely not nothing in downtown Detroit. <laughs> I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the podcast, Giannos. So, Keenan, three and one uh, with some areas that should clearly be due some positive regression. Is it too early to be printing those World Series tickets? 
well, we're we're three and two, I reckon. No, three and two. <laughs> yeah. Have we have we What's played a... the Twins three times? <laughs> no. <laughs> Are we three and oh, one? Oh yeah yeah yeah. We, no, we played five games. Yeah, we're three we and two. Five. Three and two. Yeah, counting. We're hardcore Tigers fans. <laughs> I'm like, not, not you had me second guessing myself i'm like wait a minute we've lost twice we've lost twice we i'm have sure most definitely lost lost twice <laughs> still well above 500 yes yes uh print the world series tickets um i mean you know the answer to that i, I very absolutely very much we do. have a kill badu we have we a kill badu there, there's nowhere else we can start tonight the legend <laughs> is playing out in front of our eyes this whole thing is just bananas it just keeps getting better it is when you think about the evolution of Akil Badu as a Detroit Tiger, it's like it started off as, okay, who the hell's Akil Badu? <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to spring training and then we start talking about, you know, will the Tigers be able to carry Akil Badu to the Tigers absolutely must carry Akil Badu <laughs> to, okay, that means they're either going to have to option Victor Reyes or carry five outfielders. And they decided to carry five outfielders, which I think is ludicrous. But anyway, <laughs> we have Akil Badu on the team to when are we um, unveiling the statue of Akil Badu outside Comerica Park? Like that's where we are after five games. It's crazy. It's, it is crazy. So I heard Tim Kirkjian say this, and this is just it's bonkers that we even keep stats like this, but it's the first player to ever hit a home run in each of his first two games and then hit a walk-off hit in his third, which kudos to the stats and info person on that one, because I, mean, I feel like, I feel like <laughs> they might not even look that one up. Just it has to be true because it couldn't possibly have happened before. <laughs> it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. And um, the question I guess really is like, is he real? Is it real? Or is this just like a, the, the comparisons being made are like Chris Shelton. Is this a, a short-term phenom kind of thing? Having watched as much spring training as I possibly could, I mean, the, he obviously has tools. He obviously has legitimate raw power, bat-to-ball skills. He has a solid approach. Um, he takes a lot of pitches, sees a lot of pitches. Um, I think he will be exposed in some capacity sometime pretty soon when major league pitchers figure out where the holes are in his swing. Uh, he does like to get very deep in counts. And when you get, which he didn't, uh, I don't think today he had a two strike count, but usually he likes to work very deep into counts and major league pitchers are going to strike you out if you, if you go two strikes and every at bat. So, but he's a guy, I think he's a guy. I, I mean, I think he's, he's got a chance to be an everyday major leaguer. So I think it's all about uh, perspective with him. Like you, you have to set your expectations at an appropriate level. Like we didn't just snag the next Mike Trout in the rule five draft. Like if you're looking at him and think, you know what? We could have found another Victor Reyes. Like, honestly, that, that is bonus bonus for me. Like, like you say, he, the, the bats of ball skills and the ability to control the strike zone. Like, I, I think that's really impressive. And I think that that is going to continue. Um, but I, I, I struggle to think that the, um, in-game power is going to continue to be there. And like you say, it, it's not long. I mean, pitchers aren't dumb. P- pitchers are going to find the holes in that swing. Um, but I, I, you got to put in, him in the lineup every day right now. You got to ride the, the, the train. Um, and honestly, like 
I feel like we, we spend so much time worrying about like, is this guy going to be the center fielder for the next 10 years? Like he is putting it together an incredible March just, or April months are hard. Also uh, just sit back and watch it. Watch what happens with, with this guy. Hopefully, you know, the, his parents are there. Like the, the story is incredible. Um, just enjoy it for a week or two. And then, then we'll see where we're at. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I would say, I mean, it, for a rule five, um, Victor Reyes is a, tr- is a terrific outcome for a rule five pick. Um, the difference I would say between Akil Badu and, and Victor Reyes is that, you know, Victor Reyes probably has some legitimate raw power. Akil Badu has raw power that is already starting to translate into game power. We saw it in the spring and we're seeing it here in the regular season that I don't know that we're ever going to see like double digit home run power out of Victor Reyes in a major league season. And we're also seeing that what I was talking about was that approach, that, that ability and willingness to take a walk. Um, that really is the type of thing that when we're evaluating players tells us that somebody has a chance to stick in the major leagues for a long time. So that's what oh, you say. Victor cool. Reyes doesn't have that. <laughs> I mean, I think Victor Reyes was probably going to stick, stick around in the major leagues for a while as a, as a fourth outfielder type who, who spends some time in triple a and comes up when somebody gets hurt. But I think Akil Badu's got a shot to be like an everyday regular. All right. So it is now go time on Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal. Both of them have had a start so far this year, which is clearly how they've played five games. Um, So let's start with Skubal because he went first. There's clearly something there. Like I love watching him pitch. I love watching him uh, kind of, go through the grinds of, of learning to be a major league pitcher. Yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to see his start. I was listening on the radio cause I was at the airport, but um, it sounds like he settled down. He, he's got the, some of the concerns with Scooble uh, that people have been talking about lately is his, or his pitch counts, his pitch counts get high and that that has a hard time for him getting through a lineup twice and therefore getting through six plus innings. Um, that's been an issue for uh, lots of guys. I mean, that's a little bit of an issue for Spencer Turnbull. He hasn't quite moved past that completely yet. That that was always the downfall for Kyle Funkhauser that ultimately led him to the bullpen. Um, and it's something that Tarek Skubal is going to have to work through. I think he will, and he will ultimately remain a starter. Um, but yeah, he's he's got superb stuff that plays as a lefty, as, you know, a supremely athletic left-hander. You can appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely athleticism recognizes athleticism no doubt about that so can you speak a little bit to how how likely or how regular is it that that a guy will come up and be you know kind of major inefficiency or is that something that kind of across the board a lot of young pitchers have to develop it's pretty rare for anyone to come up and just immediately start efficiently mowing through hitters especially a guy with the strikeout stuff like school, he's a strikeout artist. We want to see him maybe getting some more one and two pitch outs and he'll do that. He'll learn how to do that. He's still, I mean, he's bringing a new pitch to his arsenal this year. He's got the splitter. He's still developing feel for his curveball, which has always been the pitch that he's had the least amount of comfort with and confidence with. Um, so he's always been very fastball heavy and he will continue to be fastball heavy, but he's just learning how to incorporate that arsenal against guys who know what they're doing up there. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he lost a full year at some point in the minor leagues too. So he's actually like a kind of a year behind in his development versus what his age would say. Am I correct in saying that? He had Tommy John in college actually. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, So as as a guy who, who loves the minor leagues, 
Um, do you enjoy kind of watching the struggle, like as he's as he's developing, like you know, learning to struggle and adjust and recover over the course of the full season? Like I'm super about that. Like I I love to watch from one start to the next. Like oh, clearly he is working on so and so, and it was better tonight than he was five nights ago. Is that the kind of thing you're you dig too? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean. Uh- Greg Soto is a perfect example of that. I mean, we were following him down in Lakeland and you're just like, this guy can't throw the ball over the plate consistently ever. And the next thing, you know, (laughs) the Tigers essentially have him skip multiple levels and he's in Detroit. And now we're talking about him as like potentially long-term closer. (laughs) It's remarkable just to see the progression of prospects and how, it, it's cliche to say like um, development's not linear. It's a different path for everybody. And to just to watch the journey for each of them is, is a lot of fun. He was awesome today. He, he was the, today was the, the second game of the, the twin series when he uh, threw the, what was 10th inning extra innings, got, got himself out of a jam basis or first and third and got the next three guys out. He is something to watch. I, I tweeted out during the, I think it was the opening game last year, certainly within the opening series. Like, can we just be done with the whole Gregory Soto thing? And literally from that game on, he has just been complete lights out. Um, so I, I do take a little bit of credit for that because, you know, clearly the the haters are, are spurring him on. And I was was one of them. Yeah, no, I mean, supreme, supreme arm talent. I think you got to give some hats off to whoever on the Tigers development team has been able to harness that and turn it into something productive. So, and that, I mean, that goes back to the previous regime. Like, you know, we don't give that, that regime a whole lot of credit, but clearly there was somebody in, in that setup that was doing something right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Casey Mize continues to be a bit of an enigma Went 82 pitches through four movement was there, but yet again, the efficiency less. So Uh, did you get to see any of Casey today? Yeah, I got to see all of Casey today. Uh, Casey looked really good. I mean, really good through three. He always seems to have an inning where he gets into some trouble and has to work out of it a little bit. Um, and talk about an enigma. Yeah, like we, he was getting shelled every time out uh, back into last year and through spring training. And you're just like, what's going on? He should be good enough. Like he doesn't even have to have pinpoint command. He has good enough stuff. He should be able to get through some starts. And he just wasn't. Everything was getting hammered until – that second to last spring training start in Dunedin when AJ Hinch told him it was an audition to make the rotation. And he just came out and had a look in his eye, like, like Max Scherzer, you know what I mean? Just like you're going down, there's nothing you can do about it. And he had an attitude about him and was working with a ton. He's like, forget about all the stuff. Like I'm people talk about, no, you don't need to worry about him. He's working on stuff. I think he just forgot about working on stuff and was just like, I'm going to go out here and be me and throw filth. And he did that a little bit. I got to see him in Lakeland, the very last spring training game on March 30th. He had, he was working very quickly, very confidently, um, he's throwing that four seam fastball, which gets hammered a lot. He's throwing that up in the zone and, and getting it in on the hands of guys. And he's just a different Casey Mize than what we saw earlier in the spring and last year. So do you put that down to kind of trying to work through some things this spring before finally just saying, screw it. Like I'm going to do Casey Mize things. Like, is that, is it kind of that simple? I think so. I, I mean, when you see a guy like Casey Mize who has a history of not walking anybody and all of a sudden he starts walking people left and right, He's trying to be fun. He's trying to be too fine. He's trying to be too cute. He, you know, he's, he's, 
he does get a little he does get a little rattled when someone hits him hard. Um, so he's got to deal probably with all been these. a minute since he's since he's exactly. had that be the case for him. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's growing up before. I think by midseason, like Casey's going to be like a bona fide mid rotation guy. Oh, that would be awesome. And I mean, they have the, the, the pitcher whisperer, the guy that I've, I've personally anointed the genius, Chris Fetter, obviously right now he's, he's on the sidelines, but he'll be back. Um, so you are, you're someone that I, I appreciate their, their knowledge is so, is so much deeper than mine on the subject. Um, do you think I'm putting too much stock into what Chris Fetter can do when it comes to developing some of the younger guys in this rotation? Um, boy, first of all, you're giving me way too much credit. I'm just making guesses at all this, just like everybody else. But, um, no, I, I don't think we are, we have very high expectations for Chris Fetter collectively, right? We do. Be, be partially because of the previous regime being sort of having this antiquated (laughs) philosophy. And now we're bringing in like the most sought after progressive analytical pitching mind that every team was after and pairing it up with a collection of prospects that is the most highly touted prospects in baseball. Like that's really exciting. And the, and the collection of prospects we have are Mize Manning, Scooble. They're all very analytically minded. Like they eat this information up. Um, so I, I think when you combine those two things, yeah, we're going to see some advances in like pitch design and, and guys leveraging their spin rates and spin axes and things like that to, to sequence and tunnel and like all these fun things where Jordan Zimmerman was like, I'm not interested in analytics. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm not even sure Anthony ghost believed in them. You got cut by the brewers. Like <laughs> get yeah, on not, board. Not, not a great book. <laughs> uh, so shifting from some of the younger guys to a guy who is pitching like he's young, a new lease on life. Uh, it's been really interesting to see reliever Michael Fulmer uh, two appearances out of the bullpen. Uh, let's see what five strikeouts in three innings. I kind of like the new look. I've always been in love with Michael Fulmer as a, as a closer always. Cause I, he's always had a super high effort, violent delivery. And yep. I love his changeup. I think his changeup when he's at his best is really an underrated pitch. He has great arm action. Um, I didn't think it would ever happen, but he keeps he's piling these injuries up. And I just thought maybe you move him to a bullpen and get him in shorter stints and, it, this is like my dream come true. I call him angry Mike, angry Mike. And I think yeah, he's really going to embrace this role when they start bringing him in, in these high leverage situations, like men on base game on the line, you come to the ballpark every day, knowing you got a chance to be in there with an opportunity to help your club. I think he's going to eventually really start to love it. And he says he wants to go back to starting right now, but we'll see. I got my fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. That, and you, like you say, angry Mike, like that's a, that's a perfect description of it. Cause that seems to be exactly what we're getting out there. Like he does seem to um, like, you know, in a shorter stint, you can really empty the tank. And, and that's like, I mean, the stuff is playing up. He just looks like he's pitching empty out there. I think it's really interesting. Like I, I, I'm completely on board with the idea of making him a, a long-term high leverage reliever, but like, I'm not necessarily closing the idea on him starting. I feel like this is almost just like the next step in his rehab. Like he's learning how to physically empty himself again. Um, you know, with, with so much, so many issues, like he has to kind of relearn how to, express himself physically like that sounds really weird and dirty but like and he's able to do it in shorter doses um you know i don't necessarily 
need him to go back to starting, but I, I do feel like this could be kind of an, a next step in the the evolution of, of his rehab, even though it's coming on big league mounds. So I guess we'll see. Agree. 100. I mean, I, I'm sure he'll get another opportunity to start. I just think, I just think he's well suited for, for um, high leverage relief and uh, I'm enjoying it right now while I can. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in, I am, uh, you've, you've kind of talked me into this. Like I'm, I'm, a, I, I, t- I feel like I tell Eric and my father this both all the time, like having good starters that you turn into bullpen pieces, or I guess like kind of fringy starters that you turn into bullpen pieces. That's, that's what good teams do. We just haven't had enough guys to fill the rotation, let alone be able to move any into the bullpen in forever. Like it, it's kind of a good thing. All it's right. Not a bad so, outcome. Uh, in the past week, since the opening day roster was named, we had the release of the alternate training facility roster that'll be chilling in Toledo. A couple of big names on the list: Joe Jimenez, Alex Lang, who I really like. Thoughts on Alex Lang? Love, love. Love to hear. He's going to pitch in Detroit soon. Yeah, I, we we saw him. We we were only there for one game down in, in Lakeland this spring too, and. I was blown away with the stuff I was seeing from him. Uh, Nunez and Paredes uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Anything that stuck out to you when looking at the the um, alternate training facility roster? No, not really. I mean, it, it's it's the Toledo Mudhens, more or less, um, with a few extra names on there. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see Joe and, and I think Lang and well, Jason Foley's there. He's he's garnering some attention because he's popping like triple digits. Uh, um, and then, you know, the first call-ups are Paredes, Zach Short, Jake Rogers, if we need a catcher, a catcher gets hurt. Um, we got Derek, Derek Hill and Daz Cameron down there, and I, and I do think we'll eventually add Renato Nunez when we're going to need some offense at some point. He came to spring training a little late, and I think that's ultimately why he didn't make the club, but I think we'll have him eventually. Talk to me a little bit about Zach Short. Uh, so my my life is now in South Bend, and he was a South Bend Cub. It sounds like for just like twelve years, and was kind of the definition of like a David Eckstein grinder. And then we ended up trading for him. Uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about this guy. What what do we have in Zach Short? <laughs> Interestingly enough, um, he and I are from the same hometown. Really, in, that's cool. In- upstate New York. And so I moved away from there when I was seven, but my parents grew up there. My dad played ball against his uncle. So like all my aunts and uncles who live back home are just sending me articles about (laughs) the hometown kid who's playing for the Tigers in spring training. Anyway, he's a, he's a terrific glove. He's a, he's a, he's like Pete Cosma, but I think he can hit, you know what I mean? So Great hair, if it's a, else. it's a utility profile, but he's got a little thump in his bat. He runs really well. Um, so I think he's like the first guy, the first utility guy up in the event. Somebody's hurt. And like, we need somebody who can play shortstop at the major league level consistently besides Nico. I mean, we got Nico, but it's like Nico's becoming unplayable against right-handed pitching. Um, so Zach short is going to, I think Zach short will play in Detroit at some point this year. Yeah, hopefully, if anything, we send utility guys down, not bring more up. But, you know, <laughs> who knows? Uh, the other the other name I wanted to bring up, Daz Cameron. Uh, I feel like it's we've longed for him for so long. He came over in the deal. He's got the name. We've seen him in spring training a couple of years now. Uh, what do you think 2021 looks like for Daz? I have no idea with Daz because I was really high on him like pre-pandemic. Um, 
he had that rough year in Toledo, which I thought they rushed him to AAA very, very quickly. He, he more or less bypassed Erie. He made a very brief stop in Erie, and then he was in Toledo and had a horrible year. So I'm like a little prospect fatigued on Daz Cameron. I love his defense. I think he's an underrated defender. He usually gets average grades for his defense, but I think he's so he's obviously like a plus defender that you can put in center field. Um, and he's got that kind of Akil Badu approach too, where he, he, he sees a lot of pitches. He needs to get more aggressive early in counts, go hunting fastballs and trying to, trying to drive the ball, but he's still got a shot, but I don't know what to think of him at this point. So as a backfields expert, uh, you can probably speak to this a little better than, than most, like, how do you, how do you see the, the prospect, not the prospect, the, the situation of kind of the alternate training facility, like, you know, they're inner squatting, they're scrimmaging. How, how successful is that in keeping these guys ready to contribute? Like, is that actually more beneficial than Paredes sitting on the, the bench and playing once every fifth day for the big club? Like what, what do you make of that? That's a good question. Um, they are going to be playing some games, some live games against other alternate training site squads, I think. And they're going to be opening that to the public. I believe they announced, but um, sock parade is, I would prefer to be on the major league roster getting at bats every day. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Especially, especially, I mean, if you're, if this is a team that is going to be contending and you have to make a decision about whether to carry him or not, that's one thing, but it's, it's not, it's probably so. not despite <laughs> our, our world series ticket talk earlier. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to be all right. Yeah. So I would be remiss if I didn't take a little bit of time to pick your brain. Um, I, I'd like to think that I know the, the farm system decently, but when it is, when it comes to this kind of stuff, like I, 100% defer to your knowledge. So I want to get some info out, out of you. We're coming off, like we said, the, the weirdest year in minor league baseball history. It didn't happen. Um, and it's going to be a very interesting 2021 for the minor, for the minor leagues. Who are some guys in the tiger system that you have your eye on guys that are, that you, that you really like guys that have potential to blow up or even guys just that you find interesting. Who are, who are some of the names that you're going to be looking at? And then obviously that we should be looking at. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be fascinating because um, a, a year and a half of physical development for a guy that goes from 19 to almost 21 could mean a lot of things. Like we might not even physically recognize a lot of these guys <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, look, you have facial hair now. True. I didn't think about that, but you're yeah, definitely like, right. Yeah. Like Parker Meadows is trying to spit out a beard now. It's not working real well. I don't know, Parker. He's such a, he's such a baby face. Like I, I can see why <laughs> you would want to do that to kind of spruce up the look as far as like, trying to have yeah. people yeah yeah but i don't matt, know about matt, that one, matt dog. manning's matt manning's rocking a little shadow now it's working for him too he was kind of a baby face guy but he's growing into his man face which i didn't grow into until uh, i mean i'm still working on it 42 <laughs> <laughs> but um no to answer your question I, i'm excited to see max green now max green's a mm. lefty 24 year old re pure reliever who can dial it up to 97. It's got a full assortment of secondaries. And he was like 160 pound bean pole. And he went on like the 4,000 calorie protein diet during the pandemic and added like 15 pounds of muscle. So I I'm excited to see Max Green pumping gas. Um, Carlos Guzman, who was sort of the hot thing in 2018, he was a fastball changeup guy uh, that jumped up on prospect lists and got hurt. Um, at West Michigan. He's now 22. I want to see what he's all about. Cater Montero, who was the 
Carlos Guzman of 2019. Uh, he's only 20 years old now, and he he came out of nowhere and and, and jumped into um, short season ball in Connecticut. Was mowing guys down. Hugh Smith, uh, the six foot ten dude, um, who they say can th- probably should be able to hit triple digits once they refine his mechanics, uh, which are wonky as hell and just. <laughs> They were kind of a disaster. He's he's definitely going to be a reliever, uh, but he's 24 years old now. I kind of want to see what he's been up to for the last year and a half, and if we will see him touching triple digits, he might he'll probably be West Michigan. He'll probably be a high A guy that you'll get to see in South Bend. There we go. And then, of course, the guys who were drafted last year that we never got to see in action, like Dylan Dingler and Trey Cruz, Colt Keith, Gage Workman. Um, we saw Ryan Kreidler in spring training quite a bit, hitting some bombs. Nick Quintana was a high draft pick that had a really rough introduction to pro ball. So we want to see what he's all about. Um, and then the big ones for me are sort of the international free agents like Adenso Reyes and Jose De La Cruz and Roberto Campos. He yeah. was 17 years old and they gave him all that money. He's listed at 6'3", 205, like 17 years old, 6'3", 205. That's I want to lay eyes on that type of athlete. Yeah, yeah that's a grown man. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I feel I feel like I do this with with college basketball players all the time. I look at them and say, I was late 20s before I looked even remotely as physically developed as you are at 19. I can't even imagine 6'3" 205 at 16 years old. Like that that just blows my mind. But yeah, wow. for sure. Uh what, what do you think his year looks like this year? Where where are we going to see him? Well, it's interesting with the the change in minor league baseball where they've eliminated the New York Penn League, essentially. Well, they've eliminated short season A ball. They've eliminated an entire level. So um, to get guys into, into affiliated ball, they have to go play full season ball. They've got to go to, they've got to go to West Michigan or they've got to go to Lakeland. Now it's Lakeland and the Florida state league is the low a affiliate. So, but I think he'll stay in the, I think he'll stay in Lakeland in the Gulf coast in the Gulf coast league. Uh, which starts in the end of June, something like that. He'll play a short season ball down the rookie ball. It's rookie ball down there. It's ugly baseball, but it's an introduction. It's, it's an introduction to the United States. So there's a lot of things they got to learn um, coming to move to you know, living in a new country and, and um, learning how to be a professional and things like that, that they get at the complex down there in Lakeland. So that's where he'll be, I think. All right. I can't let you out of here. There's, there's a big name. We have not mentioned it at any point. Are you building up to that or should I drop it? I wasn't building up to it at all, but you can drop it. All right. What does this, what does 2021 look like for Spencer Torkelson? Okay. So he's, he's going to go to, he's going to go to West Michigan. He's going to start off at high a, which is a developmentally appropriate level for him, which we did not get to see in spring training. We got to see him get mowed down by, major league pitchers and fringe major league pitchers, which are way more advanced than he is. So calm down about Spencer Torkelson's spring training statistics. He's going to go to West Michigan. He's probably going to rake and he's going to be an eerie probably by the 4th of July or middle of July or something. He'll be a double A and he'll finish at double A. Yeah. Tiger's Twitter did not handle Spencer Torkelson struggling in spring training with particular aplomb. They, they, uh, they had some, so had some freak out issues. That's for sure. It's tough. Cause Riley green had such a great spring training last year. And like, so you expect everyone to just be able to do that, but that's not realistic. Even Riley green had a rough spring training this year. Like that's reality. He's, he's a, he's going to start off an eerie. He's going to double a, like he's not ready to, he's not ready yet. 
He's don't advanced, but he's not ready. Don't tell that to Eric. He's he's not ready to hear that he's not ready. Yeah, definitely. I love Riley, and he's he's moving fast. He'll be ready soon. Love it. All right, Keenan, you have some power rankings prepared for us. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Oh, my gosh. So this is a lot of pressure here because I got a lot of respect for Eric Wayne. Like, there's only one Eric Wayne. When it comes to, like... Yeah, yeah, he's like, he has a way with words, right? He's like, <laughs> That's he's like the Lynn Henning, it. the Lynn Henning of semi-comedic Tigers podcasts. Um, so I'm going to paint a scenario for you here. So, so you're sitting around, you're watching a football game. Maybe it's November. It's chilly outside. Your doorbell rings. You go to answer it. It's like a local high school kid. He's like. My lacrosse team's taking a trip to Australia and we're raising money. Would you like to make a donation? And uh, your dog's going crazy and it's freezing cold outside. And you're like, well, not really. I don't want to make a donation, (laughs) but I'm a sucker. So I will. How can I pay you? He says, well, a cash or a check. And you're like, well, I don't have cash. Like who carries cash? So you you have to write a check, which... People rarely do that anymore, but there are situations where it's still applicable, and this is one of them. So dog's going nuts. You don't want to invite the kid outside because the dog's going nuts, but it's freezing out there, and you feel bad for him. So you run in, and you're looking for something to write with. And inevitably, in everyone's house, there's a drawer or a cup that has writing instruments in it, and they all suck because you've taken the good ones out already, And like, you've taken them to work and you've lost them at work. (laughs) So there's nothing but garbage writing instruments in this drawer. Correct? Correct. Yeah. We definitely have one of those too. So I want to rank from worst to best. Like when you reach your hand into that drawer, what's the best type of writing apparatus to come out with? And we're going to assume you get something that's actually functioning. Cause if you get like, a marker that doesn't have any ink or a pen that doesn't have any ink, which inevitably you will nine out of 10 times. That's the worst. <laughs> but if you get something that's functioning, what's the worst? And so at number right, that, 10, that's a good, good caveat. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> number 10, I'm going with crayon. Crayon is probably the worst functioning writing instrument you could get. If you have to write a note or write a check or maybe you're on the phone because you had to change a hotel reservation and they're like, you have a confirmation number. Do you have something to write with? No, I don't have anything to write with. Except for this crayon. Except for this crayon. So you like rip off side of a cereal box or something and you're trying to write down a confirmation number with a crayon. That's terrible. 
At number nine, I'm going to go with a highlighter. Ooh. Highlighter, highlighter is no fun to try and make any sort of serious correspondence with. Yeah, yeah they, they serve a purpose, but it's definitely not that purpose. Correct, correct. Um, and we'll have several of those instruments on this list that in the <laughs> right place in the right time, you love them. Like number eight, dry erase marker. Dry erase marker is designed to smudge immediately. So that's not a great draw. All right, yeah. here's a fun one. Number seven, a novelty pencil. So this is like you go to a parade and somebody hands you like a little baggie and there's like a, there's a, there's a pencil in there, but instead of an eraser on the end, it's got like a, a little furry stuffed animal or something, or there's no eraser. Maybe there's an eraser, but it's one of those plastic erasers that doesn't erase. It just like smudges the lead all over your paper. Those, those are awful. I could see Eric having just a house full of those. Not exactly sure why. He just seems like a novelty pencil kind of guy. <laughs> um. All right, number six, I'm going with a Sharpie. Okay. Um, I, you know, a, a Sharpie is a functional writing instrument, has a lot of purposes. I use it for a lot of things, but for certain types of correspondence, I don't want a Sharpie. It's going to bleed through onto my nice table, and then I've got a different kind of situation on my hands. I feel like a Sharpie is like the writing utensil version of all caps. It's just like, <laughs> bam, right in it's your too, face. It's too much. And what's the, what's the knockoff Sharpie called? Marks a lot? remember those <laughs> just tells you what it does <laughs> it's right there right. in the name uh at number five i'm going with like a magic marker like a crayola magic marker especially if you get like a chisel tip like oh. who who needs a chisel tip magic marker and for what for what reason do you need that laying around I mean, unless you're, you're giving them to children children can't handle a chisel tip correct correct so those are a nightmare at number four i'm going with Anything scented. Um, <laughs> mostly this is just um, me wanting to feel manly. And it's hard to feel manly when I'm writing with something that smells like blue raspberry. It has to have a scent, though. What are you going with? Uh, orange. Oh, that's a pretty manly yeah. scent. Yeah. 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 So I, I can four. see that. Number four, anything scented. Uh, I mean, it, it could still be a, a useful functional writing instrument at number four, but it's hard like handle, handing somebody a check that smells like cotton candy. All right. It would. <laughs> at number three, I'm going to go with um, mechanical pencil. Mechanical pencil or just like a regular standard nicely sharpened number two pencil. The only problem with the mechanical pencil is you get to it, you think it has lead in it. And like, as soon as you push down, the lead goes up and there's no lead. There's no lead Definitely. in there. There's some yeah, risk so, associated. So with, with this number two, it's anything that would work on a Scantron. <laughs> well, that's no, number three was pencil. Number two, number two is like a high end roller ball or gel pen, like a pilot pen, like a really nice pen. These are good pens. It, you know, if you're taking notes on a, in a composition notebook or on a steno pad, like you have the right substrate, the right medium. I like a really good pen. I appreciate a really good pen. It's not the I best I, Yeah, I respect that you appreciate pen. Pens are great. I don't know why we spent so much time as kids using pencils. Pencils suck. Like if you just one or the other, it's night and day. It's embarrassing, really. I mean, it, it's it's an indictment on our civilization. Um, <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> um, and number one, the most versatile, undefeated 
to this day is your old-fashioned ballpoint Bic pen. They never run out of ink. Either the clear one, there's there's one with a clear shell, or there's the white one that has like the little end cap on it that tells you whether it's blue, red, or black. Mm-hmm. The the Bic ballpoint pen, when that's fully loaded with ink, is the most versatile writing instrument on the planet. Not the Office Depot knockoff or the Papermate ballpoint pen. It's got to be a Bic. Respect so, it. There you go. Get Put some thought on as a as a sponsor for next week. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to their marketing department. I'm sure. I'm sure that'd be great for their bottom line. Be sponsored by. <laughs> All right. That was, that was amazing. Big, like you say, big shoes to fill, but I think you nailed it. I'll I'll get his, uh, I'll get his opinion on it. um, And I'll let you know what he says. And by that, I mean, he's probably not going to listen. So I think you're, you're (laughs) safe for all time. Hello, this is Eric's mom. And you're listening to the podcast Yanos. Um, so I just have a few quick things that I saw on the side of the road while running. Uh, this one is not fresh. So normally I try and tell stories that are like from the past week. Um, but we've been in North Carolina um, with my in-laws for this this past week. So um, been in the car a lot. My running's been spotty. So I'm going to go back to last week for this one. And this is 100% a true story. And honestly, it's too mundane to actually make up but on the same run i saw both an open can of canned mushrooms on the side of the road there was like three or four left in i considered you know a little bit of a a power boost for the rest of my run but i'm like no we don't know where those canned mushrooms have been and an entire roll of christmas wrapping paper just right there on the side of the road wow yeah uh, I saw I saw some interesting things last week myself. Oh, do Florida, tell, do running. tell. Yeah, I saw. Well, I saw a dead armadillo. Ooh, that's cool. And did did you consider picking up the shell? Because the shells like they they kind of maintain, right? Um, I did not consider that. No, I did stop and <laughs> I I took a picture of it, which I it, I rarely stop when I'm running, but I'm like, eh, I don't see a lot of armadillos back that's in Ohio. Cool. So, yeah, and then I saw a dead possum. But there were three wild turkey vultures fighting over it. Oh, that's just straight so that up was nature. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Nice. So, also, to contribute <laughs> yeah, to I, weird I, things I saw. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I very rarely have. I mean, Eric is, is definitely not <laughs> much for running. So, this is usually just a one way conversation. Um, also, for those wondering about the saga with my across the street neighbor, he has shown back up. So, I'm assuming he was just like on vacation or something and was not actually dead. So, we've gotten to the bottom of that one. What up, fam? This is, of course, your boy Jordan here to tell you about one of my all-time favorites, Moot's Pizzeria and Bar. It is the only authentic New York pizzeria in the Motor City and has become a staple in the Detroit pizza scene. You know me. I don't play when it comes to pizza, and this is where it's at. Amongst the best of the best that they have to offer are favorites like Garlic Knots, the Uptown and the Bronx Pizza, Gemelli Pasta, and that Chocolate Lava Cake is hotter than Andrew Romine in April. And they have some killer cocktails and a great beer and wine selection. Stop in with friends for a few pies and grab an authentic slice from the slice counter. It's going to be an instant favorite. Visit MootsPizzeria.com to learn more or to place an order. And don't forget, they validate two hours of parking in Lot Z. Tell them Jordan and Eric sent you. 
Um, so I, that is all I have for tonight. I did not think to put out for Twitter questions because that's usually Eric's job. So um, is there anything else that you would like to get off your chest before we get out of here? Any, any prospect names that you're like, yeah, go for it, or something that you're interested in seeing, or uh, the floor is yours? Oh, man. Don't give me the floor when we're still in the Alavila regime. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play a game. Ooh, here we go. Love games. First person on the current active roster to be sent down to Toledo for something other than an injury to be demoted. Who do you think that would be? Ooh, I like to plan people's demise. <laughs> this this is really interesting. Um, let's go with. Jacoby Jones. Wow. I, I, it, it feels like a, a hot take, but I mean, I mean, I, I feel like Harold is kind of the obvious choice, but I don't want to be a basic beast. But I went in a different direction. All right. How about you? Oh man. There's, there's a lot of candidates. That's not a good thing. <laughs> there are. <laughs> it's not a good thing. I think it'll be Victor Reyes. I think it'll be Victor Reyes. I don't think there's a reason to carry five outfielders. And plus you have also have Nico and Harold Castro who can both play outfield. So really you've got, you've got outfield covered and um, they can kind of, I don't want to talk about service time with Victor Reyes because it doesn't matter, but he's arbitration eligible after this year, if he plays a certain amount of time. And so they can kind of, if they keep him in the minors, they can kind of delay the decision to non-tender him. And I think sometimes that stuff factors in more than, we like to admit, but I'll say Victor Reyes. I think it could also be Grayson Griner. I think it could be Jacoby. I think it could be Hero Castro. Um, so was it? I saw somebody making the case on the internet. I don't, I can't, I'm assuming it wasn't you, based on the conversation we just had, that Buck Farmer is a possibility. Nah, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I think Buck Farmer might be done with high leverage opportunities for a while, maybe yeah. forever. But he's a bona fide major leaguer. Um, but it it does look like we're gonna have to we're going to probably have to send somebody down and bring up a pitcher relatively soon. Like we already had to go to Harold Castro yesterday. <laughs> not, not and to be fair to Harold, Harold was dicing. I mean, that was be much better than I was expecting. Yeah. He was grooving it in there beautifully. Uh, I mean, Hey, he got, he got Nelson Cruz out and Michael Fulmer didn't. So yeah, no, but, nobody um, does. And oh. if today's game had gone into for, you know, further into the night, uh, we would have run out of pitchers already in the fifth game of the year. So we'll probably have to send out a position player. Great position to be in. The other name, <laughs> I, I, I got to get you in on this because I've spent so much time talking about him. Robbie Grossman, the amount of walks through that first series was unbelievable. Admittedly, I would have preferred to him have him mix in some hits to go along with them, but so many walks. I take that as a victory. Yeah, he had a he had a couple hits today, and then later in the game he got he got ahead two zero, and they were just like, they just gave him first base. They're like, <laughs> we're not going to finish walking you. We, this is inevitable. The outcome's inevitable. Just take first base, Mister Grossman. <laughs> what you love most. Oh boy, Keenan, this has been incredible. I always appreciate you, whether you be on the internet in my earbuds or talking to me in person on on Zoom. Uh, you are a credit to the uh, Tigers um, blogosphere. I enjoy that that you're around. You make uh, Tigers Twitter 
a more enjoyable place for all of us. Thank you for, for your work and uh, for hanging out with me tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me anytime. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can on Twitter and Instagram. Keenan is at Tiger underscore Lifer. I am at Hosted by Jay Hall. Eric is at Eric Wayne's Brain, and the show is at Podcast Yanos. With that being said, we will catch you guys next week. And eat them up, Tigers. Eat them up. Goodbye. This has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 